You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, uh, I don't know. Do you have, do you have any thoughts about Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele? Honestly, like, you know, I think everyone built up in their head. Elbane was going to get Cliff Kingsbury and then like DeMarco Ryan's. And obviously they didn't. I, I think it's a throwback to what Alabama used to be great at getting a guy who's literally the embodiment of barbed wire. That being Kevin Steele, who's just, you know, the old man who's going to like scream at you and like call you 20 different things in the span of like two seconds. But players seem to love him from what I've heard, the ones now and also the ones that had had him previously. Reese is interesting to me. I wasn't like when I first sell, I was like, okay, like Tommy Reese, I know he kind of had a weird season this past year, but also had a hurt starting quarterback. So like I gave him a little grace with that. But like watching what he does, does a lot of, you know, 12 personnel, a lot of, you know, movement with receivers, which is what worked really well for Bama back in 2020. So I think, I think they're both about, B plus hires, which is, I think all you really need with the talent Bama has. I think Bill O'Brien on the other hand was like a C to sometimes a upper or like a lower B at times. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, a youth version of the Touchline Media Group, because that's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking youth soccer today. Uh, I am your host, Asa, aka The Twig. Um, I might have a co-host, I might not, I don't I don't really know. We're recording this one at like 7 a.m., 7.58 a.m. Uh, as, as it currently stands, so uh, that's not how we normally do. Normally, normally there's alcohol and it's night and drinking uh, alcohol at, uh, you know, this time of day is just not something we're trying to do. So anyways, uh, this episode is brought to you by the Smith Workforce Management Group, whoever Blue Air decides to put in uh, Paramount Plus. And 
again, swoveralls you you seem vaguely interested in and not. So, you know, just let us know what you're trying to do. I'm trying to wear overalls to the SEC. Official. That's right. Seriously. Seriously, swoveralls. We're trying to get overalls to the SEC media days. And yeah, you're, come on. you're screwing with us. <laughs> um, I'm joined by official touchlines and touchdowns youth correspondent uh Garrett. Um, Garrett, you are you are you, you you put out on Twitter a couple of I guess it was like a week ago, like, hey, who wants to have me on to watch like U17 CONCACAF championship? And I gotta tell you, I'm I'm a sicko for a lot of this watching extensively, but here we are. So um, let's, let's do it like this. Let's, let's go through the roster um, and we can talk about these guys and then also how they've played where we are. I'm going to spoiler alert this a little bit. We haven't lost yet um, because our youth teams, um, even in men's soccer are like good at this shit. So um what are your sort of high level thoughts while I while I bring up the roster? Yeah, um, we don't have any wingers on this team, which is like my first thing when I saw the roster. Um, it's a bunch of tens, a bunch of eights. So it's kind of it's kind of funny, you know the um, the U twenty team we didn't bring any strikers. The U um, seventeen team we didn't bring any wingers. We just brought that's, a that's bunch like of a, tens a and strikers. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you want versatility, which is great, but like you can kind of tell when they're playing, they don't really have strike. They don't really have a wingers. Um, do we have possibly our answer at the number nine long term if Balakin oh. doesn't doesn't answer my doesn't answer my DMs with the American flag emoji? We might have that. I, I'm not going to confirm it or deny it, but we might have it. And we also just have some really just interesting characters on this team. Just some really interesting, some really interesting play styles. Just some, you know, you know, at the age of like 16, 17, you're all kind of we're all kind. You know, everyone's a little bit of a. Um, I don't know, you know, kind of a prick out there. And so we have a little bit, of, we have a few of those out there, which I love. I, I think at that age, it's fun. It's kind of funny to follow. It's not as funny when they're like 23 and you're like, okay, come on, grow up. But at this yeah. age, it's funny. It's, it's the type of thing where it's like, if a freshman, I'm, to use our football analogies, if a freshman catches a taunting penalty, you're like, hell yeah, swagger. If a, if a redshirt senior does it, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly the best way to describe it. Yeah. Some of the, some of these guys, you know, you've seen them kicking the balls, kicking the ball a little far further down the line for a throw in. It's like, okay, what, what we... <laughs> it's just, it's funny, but yeah, overall, I, you know, there's some, you can tell there's some maturity this team has though, that um, is really cool to see at that age though. You can tell some of these guys have, had some MLS pro experience, has some you know overseas experience. You kind of see that in the maturity of how they carry themselves. Thankfully, we haven't had a well, uh, maybe thankfully, unthankfully, we haven't had one of the Cade Cowell like throwing the ball at like a Panama player and like starting a fight and getting suspended for six games. Thankfully, we haven't had that. Do I think something like that's going to happen? We'll see. I wouldn't be shocked, but yeah, that's I, kind I, of my. I, I just got to tell you, yeah, no, no, I just got to tell you, especially at the youth level. Like, look, if if, if you pull this shit in the in the world cup it's a problem mm-hmm. um if you pull it in in qualifying against any team other mexico other than mexico it's like it's a problem like don't do like and like my view of of shit talking and swagger and like shit housery such as that mm-hmm. is that like you can only really do it against people who you can look in the eye right like in concacaf we can only do it against mexico mm-hmm. in the world cup like we can't do it because we're looking up Right. Like you, you mm-hmm. can't pull that shit against England because like they're better than you. Yeah. You don't piss off people who are better than you. Um, you, you know, it's funny you say England, though, because you, the U17 actually beat England a few months ago before heading into this tournament. 
So, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make any definite statement there, but just the future, just... the future is red, white, and blue. Suck it, England. Um, <laughs> so and actually, you know what, that brings me, that brings me to uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is that at the youth level, dear listener, um, if you play for a national team in one of these tournaments, you are what's known as cap tied. Um, and it's like, that's the team you're going to play for. So our potentially best player here um, is not here, right? Yeah. Um, so like there's a number of guys who who I could be talking about, I guess. But uh, number one among them is uh, English slash American left back Christian McFarlane. Um, and he is weird because I think he's the first example of someone who is a dual nat who the other nation wants that was trained in and like functions in America. Right. Like normally it's like we want the Dutch right back who was born there to American yeah. parents. And we're like, really can use that. But yeah. but England is like looking at our system and was like, hey, we'll take that NYCFC uh youth player. So um so first things first, our uh I guess our our best goalie is not here. Um he's uh why don't you talk about him? Yeah, Diego Cochion, I think I'm saying his name right. He ended up traveling with the team there. Yeah, he ended up traveling to the Fine. team there. Um, he ended up getting hurt. I believe he hurt his elbow. They ended up bringing in Duran Free, who's actually started the last or two of the three games. So, and I thought he's looked pretty solid so far. Hasn't gotten much service. But yeah, Cochion's one of those guys who's already playing for Barca B as their backup. So, if you know the transitive property, he's probably like fifth string right now. Barcelona as a 16 year old, which is pretty impressive, I think. I mean, you know, uh, I'm not doing that at the age of 22. So, you know, he's doing, he's doing much more than I am. Um, Wait, how yeah, old he, is he? He's 16? He's 16. When I was 16, I was a starting uh, point guard, not a natural point guard, but starting point guard on JV. Basketball. What was I doing at 16? Yeah, I was, I was playing JV basketball as well, too. Hey, so I'm, I could take you all day in it, JV basketball. 16-year-old my, Garrett takes you, but anyway. My, 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 my friend. It, it, no, no. <laughs> No. I was saying I was raw back then. Back when I was in shape, man, it was it was something different. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, look, like so. So at actually, you know what? This is a, a digression, but it, I think it's an important one. Um, I was was like going over basketball with someone, like I coach. It, it doesn't matter, whatever. And they're like, "Oh, when were you the best? Like, when were you the best that you ever were?" And I like started thinking about it. And I want to say like, oh, 18, right? Like as a, as a senior in high school, blah, blah, blah. I realized that the best basketball of my life was actually played at the age of 23 because I was in my second year of law school and I stopped giving a shit. And so I was playing basketball like three hours a day. Like I just was like in the gym three hours a day playing pickup. And so 16 year old me, I don't know how, t- how tall were you as a, as a sophomore slash junior? About as tall as I am now, so about five, 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 six. Yeah, on a good day. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm five eleven, sixteen year old aces taking you right down to the post. Well, yeah. The thing is, though, like I don't like. I got that little Chris Paul in me. Like you know, I'll talk to you. I'll get in your head. I think mentally, I can get you down, and then I think you'll make some mistakes. And I, I obviously get the teammates involved. Yeah, my my response to that is like. uh there's nothing you can say to me that I haven't said to myself at 16. Oh no. I was an, like, like, like the thing is, is that like, I was an emo kid. I just okay. happened to be like, okay, at basketball, I really love it. Did you have like, like the long hair and everything? Like, you know, I wish I did. I, I wish I did. I didn't. Uh, it's a great a mistake. To see. It yeah. was, it was a mistake um, on my part, but uh, yeah, but like, I, like, I didn't, 
only like at around then did I realize that like I had cultural cachet as a basketball player and like girls might otherwise talk to me. Um, like it was right around like 15, 16 when I was like, mm. oh, I don't have to listen to Screamo. I, I continued to because it's good music, but like girls probably will talk to me and, and, and they did. And it was fine. Not like, you know, we had it worked out for you. Yeah, it worked <laughs> out, uh, I guess. Anyways. Um, so, uh, the, the point is, is that Duran Duran, again, I say these nicknames not to bully these kids, but because realistically, the way that this generation before me, so like older millennials decided to name their kids a number of things, and I'm going to, I'm going to recognize that. Um, the name of this episode and when we talk about him is going to be an 80s song reference, but that's what happens when you name your kid Cruz Medina. It, I, I'm not in charge of these things. Like, you, you, you know, it, it is what it is. So um, Duran Duran was the guy in goal for two out of the three. Um, did we give up a goal in this tournament? Maybe one? We gave up one. It was when Adam Burberry? Burberry? Burgery. Burgery. Yeah, Burgery. When Burgery was in Adam goal, it was Bougie. Bougie. Yeah, Adam Bougie. When Bougie was in goal, I mean, it was a worldie. I'm going to be honest. It was like, there's not much he could have done. And like, you know, it was, I think it was against like the Trinidad and Tobago team, which honestly, like every time, and like, I feel bad saying this because, you know, we're put, America's playing against like 17 year olds, but when, whenever America beats um, Trinidad and Tobago makes my heart so joyful. It, I, I, I'm sorry. Like I'm sure in 20 years, I won't feel the way I might. No, I, don't know. Will. I, I probably will, will, honestly, but it just brings me so much joy. To <laughs> it's see UL Monroe. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is UL Monroe. You know, it's funny enough. There was such a joy when I was walking after yep. that game, but yep. yeah, it, <laughs> good old Terry Bowden, but um. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Seeing the Trinidad national team struggle was nice. It 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 gave me some joy. Yeah, and it should it should because again, like for you, that's that's UL Monroe. For Michigan fans, I guess that's Appalachian State. State. Yeah, for for Michigan State, I think it's probably uh, well, it's it's weird because the, the answer there is actually a basketball answer, and it's not been long enough for us to to like have any joy about anything related to Middle Tennessee State. Um, yeah, yeah, still not I also, over that. I, I still had beef with that team just because I had Michigan State in 2015 winning it all. I had him, I was like, okay, let's go. And then this little team from Murfreesboro or Tennessee ends up knocking y'all off. And I, yeah, I was, was, I was livid. I was, was livid. So, I, I, I'll tell you something about myself is that I treat the first two days of the NCAA tournament like a holiday. I take off As work. You should. Yeah, no, no, I straight up take off work. I go somewhere else, like I sit and I watch all the games. Um, just the Thursday, Friday, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Michigan state played early on Thursday. I went to work on Friday. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm, I, 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 I'm not, I'm done with this tournament. I'm not doing this anymore. Anyways. Um, so that brings us to the, uh, the defense of players. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So we have, um, so I'm going to do this in order of uh, people who I have any awareness of. And then as, as we, we go through it, um, you know, I have awareness of one of these dudes and that's it. And, mm-hmm. and you can, we can, we can talk about how they've played in this tournament, but again, uh, dear listener, as of recording and as of the time that you'll probably be listening to this, um, we are through the group stage. Our first uh, knockout round game is against Dominican Republic um saturday night um this episode is probably going to drop midday friday so you have a you know that 
Um, and then we'll have Garrett back on throughout the throughout the knockout rounds to to, to discuss. And I'm going to start watching because my basketball season is over, um, and I'm I'm not so happy about that. But, hey, NATO's NATO's just around the corner. Don't worry, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. Um, <laughs> so so the the uh, the player that I'm aware of is Tyler Hall, who has been sort of a name in in youth in in the U.S. men's uh, national team youth setup for a while. He plays at Miami. Um, and I think he's actually gotten like MLS, if not MLS, then senior team sort of shouts. But um, but has he been playing? Has he been like the guy? Yeah, he's been starting. He's been every time he starts, he's the captain. He's looked really solid. He reminds me a lot, maybe because he's wearing the number four shirt. He reminds me a lot if if Tyler Adams was playing like a center back position. But he's a little bit better on the ball than Tyler Adams. He just he just does such a good job of getting in front of his defenders, keeping them honest. Um, one thing he had like two, he had two tackles the other day that I just saw. I was like, Oh my goodness. Like if this kid doesn't get in our Miami minutes next year, he's they're making a mistake. Cause the, the kid can ball. The kids, a you can just see he's one of those guys who's always, ta- um, they showed like a wide shot at one point in one of the games. And like, you could see him constantly going over the coach, talking to him, like kind of communicating to team. It's kind of how you would see with Tyler Adams in a national team game. So just, you could tell when those natural born leaders just, and I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff they post on Instagram and he seems like, He's the guy everyone's kind of looking to for answers during practice, which is good to see that from one of your best players, especially he's very vocal and just has one of those personalities that you kind of like to see growing up as like a leader, I guess. Good to hear. Um, how tall yeah. is he? I don't, it, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Cause I don't, let me see if they pull it up on the website. I don't think he, yeah, it's not listed. I, he doesn't look very tall, which is kind of why it helped kind of why my mind went to Tyler Adams. Cause Tyler is kind of small, but yeah. yeah. I don't think well, he's very tall at this age, but he's also 17. So like, who knows? Right. And, and, and that's sort of like the, the other fun thing about this is that you want to project these kids. Um, and the fact is, is that we have had U 17s groups of U 17s who you recognize now. Um, Christian geo um, Tyler Haji, Wright, They were all youth players in day house. Um, notably not Weston McKinney. Um, he got cut like from every youth team, uh, they had, which was, is weird in its own way. But um, I, I actually, you know what? This is probably a good opportunity to talk about my biggest pet peeve with youth sports. Um, and I saw an article about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, more than, I think it's like 80% or 90% of this team was born in the first half of the year. And this is like the major mistake of youth sports, which is, is that you think that kids who are more developed are better and you use time with them. Um, the coach of this team, um, our coach, who is uh, Segaris, George Segaris, is that right? What, George Costanza? I wish. That'd be no, awesome. We're not that lucky. No, um, I think he's a former U, He's a former like MLS player. He played for Chicago Fire. His name escapes me as I'm trying to find the t- his name right now. But... Gonzalo Segaris. Who makes so far from George Costanza. $110,000 as of, right, yes. Um, so he acknowledged it actually. Someone asked him about it and they're like, is, is that in purpose? He said, no, he said, look, like this is what it is right now. We need, you know, these players to play this role, but by the time we get to, you know, wherever we're going, and obviously the point of this is to, is to qualify for the U 17 world cup, you know, we're going to have a different group. And, and I think at least that, that sort of honesty is, is useful. Um, but so let's, let's talk about the other defenders. Um, 
who else has been sort of the uh the partner of of Tyler Hall has it been uh Diaz yeah it's been Diaz um I believe he's LAFC or LA Galaxy one of the LA teams he's in their systems looks pretty solid I mean once again it's kind of hard in these early games to see just because they're not getting really attacked too often especially in the first two games Canada offered a little bit more um and at times you saw a little bit disorganization but Overall, I thought Diaz looks fine. He had he had one line breaking pass I thought was really impressive. I mean, the in the Trinidad game. So, yeah, I I'm in, I think he's pretty solid. Once again, it's I think he's taller than than Hall, if I'm correct. Um, look to be closer. I, once again, it's weird. It's weird being like, oh yeah, the 16, 17 year old. He he's not tall enough. <laughs> but I, I think I mean, he's, but 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 again, like if you think about our our two college college football programs. Yeah. You know, that's what they do. It's are that's if you <clears throat> there's a kid right now, um, four star kid quarterback, Davy Belfort, um, who is five foot ten. And he wanted to commit to Michigan State, and by all accounts, the answer was um no, like you're not tall enough. Which like you can have your opinions about that. Bryce Young is definitely not six foot, but um He's Bryce. No, no, he's he's. Button. I've stood by him. He's probably about five ten. Yeah. Um, yeah. In boots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you play. You're not playing barefoot out there. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that like, you sort of do have to see like, who are you right now? And it's like, look, some of these kids will grow. Some of these kids will fill out. There are always late bloomers. But at sixteen and seventeen, um, you got to think about these kids as if they are basketball players, not football players. There's not four years in the weight room to get to grown man size. Um, you know, we basically knew, we basically know who the best college, uh, pro basketball players are going to be like four years in advance. That's fair. Um, you know, if it, like, like the hit rate of the college basketball top 10 in recruiting is much higher than the college football. And even then we usually get like six out of, out of 10. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, we're, we're, we know who the best basketball players soccer, again, it's not always the same, but by 16, 17, you can usually say, okay, this kid can play or uh, no, probably not. Yeah. But um, and when I'm kind of, when I'm kind of talking about these kids, I'm not talking about them in a CONCACAF standard. I'm talking about them in a, you know, U17 world cup standard against England's the Germany's. Cause I think this is probably from what I understand, this might be the most talented U17 group you've ever had. So like, I don't think that I don't think we should just like, you know, group stage and, you know, get out of the round, uh, you know, the round of 16. You know, I, I think this team has a chance to really do something special if, if it all comes together, right. Development wise. Well, that's, I mean, in that, in that regard, do you, you know, do you, do you think that, um, dear listener, I acknowledge that my voice is going in and out. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's real, real life. Um, do you think that any of the fullbacks are, are at that level? Not right now. And I'll say the kid from Frankfurt, Hangry, I thought he's played pretty well so far. Um, I know Oscar Verhaven, um, the San Jose State guy, San Jose State, San Jose Earthquakes, wrong. wrong. Yeah, just just wrong. totally wrong there. But, <laughs> he's kinda, but Spartans, so we appreciate it. Spartans, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love me some San Jose Spartans. Um, he's kind of moved between left back and playing as a six. He's very versatile, and I thought he's played very well. Pretty tall for pretty tall. I think he's up there around like, the six foot two mark. So pretty tall player. Um, but the kid hangry, he had some really nice moments some really nice tackles. I thought he played the best 
defensive game um, against Canada this past yesterday night, which that game was, I don't know if you watched it. It was kind of one of like, it was just the most cocky caffy game ever. It was, the field was gross. The kids were sliding all over the place. Passes that were just, were going to no one. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, very cocky caffy, but get, you know, you obviously get the win, so you can't really complain about that. Yeah, certainly not going to complain about wins. I'm not. I'm not at a point in my career uh, as a fan where I'm ever going to say like, "Well, we went one, but we never we didn't win correctly." That's another thing. I, I just want to take an opportunity to uh, to shout out amongst our our uh, friends in in the Twitter sphere. It's okay to be happy. We do this every time. It's okay to be happy when your team wins. You can you can celebrate. It's fine. No, Ace. You know? We need to win by twenty thousand, according to some. We can't just, we can't just enjoy the sport. We have to, it's, it's weird. It's like, like we have a fan base that thinks our national team is, is France. And it's like, guys, we're, we are struggling to be South Carolina right now. <laughs> like that's, that's where we're at. Like, just be honest which, with yourself. Which year South Carolina are we talking about there? Are we talking about like the early tens, like the ones that beat Bama had some just ballers in that team. Were we talking like, you know, Will Muschamp 2015? Like, ugh. I, I, I'm good with saying Shane Beamer, right? Like, okay. maybe we're good, but I don't know. Like, we could be. I, I don't have a, like, do you have a confident take on if Shane Beamer will be successful and win 10 games a year at South Carolina over the next five years? Yes, I do. You think and the you reason, I, I think because the schedule change is going to come, you're going to have the pods, which the pods will be oh. much more. Will be much more friendly to South Carolina. You'll have yeah. to play Georgia every year, but like, I mean, Georgia's Georgia's gonna, the new Alabama. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And you know, it, it, that one's gonna be hard. But I mean, you're probably gonna play Kentucky and Tennessee, and I don't think Tennessee's success could be very sustainable. No. I don't think that's a long term thing. Which no. I, I know I I can't say that because I have some Rocky Top followers and they'll go after me and threaten me. But like, you know, it, I I I do think that Shane Beamer in the long run is one of the better coaches in the SEC. So, um, dear listener, you heard it here first. Garrett Frank's pro nepotism. I, I yeah, listen, nepo babies, all you're all welcome in the Franks. In the Franks, <laughs> it's it's so funny to me that the one time college football didn't do the nepotism thing, it was with a coach who actually would have been successful. I think that's so funny. Like like Virginia Tech wanted to give it to Frank Beamer's son, they wouldn't mm-hmm. let him. Okay, now they're in the wilderness with whatever the hell they're doing. Yeah, Trent Pry and. Justin Fuente. Just Fuente, yeah. That um, I thought the Fuente hire was awesome at the time, and I, I think, did too. I think most people would say, "Oh, that's a great hire," and then it just he, it was bad. I, I mean, it's it's, yeah. I, I I would have bet a lot on Justin Fuente's success at Virginia Tech. I thought that was a perfect fit. I thought it was like you know coming from Memphis, like you know the recruiting ground really well. Like I. I, I, I still don't really understand why that didn't work. But the point is, is that had Frank Beamer simply given the job to his nepotism baby, um, they would have been great. They, they would be, they'd be in the SEC right now. Like, like it's, you can't just prove it. You can't. Yeah. Tell me who says no, the SEC. Um, and also the <laughs> Greg st- Sankey, literally everyone there. <laughs> literally, literally one through 14 there are, are going to say no. Um but, but, and, and, oh, by the way, the Virginia legislature, because they wouldn't want to screw over uh, the university they actually care about. Um, Who will probably end up being the SEC, but we'll see. SEC or Big Ten. I, I could, yeah. I could see, I could see a situation where the Big Ten convinces itself that Maryland is close enough and they say, 
okay, Virginia is a really damn good school and we can't have the SEC take away our one argument. So I will say the one thing that the Big Ten has over the SEC, and that this is coming from a student at a SEC institution who, you know, grew up in SEC territory, they will always have the academic prowess over the SEC. That's just, they, they will always have it. And I think that's one way to convince the Carolinas, the Dukes to yeah. come up. But if I'm an SEC, I throw Carolina, Duke, Virginia, and yeah, I'll just throw in Syracuse because I like the Carrier Dome. Let's throw them a bag, let them come. I mean, I think I think the thing is is that if you're gonna if you're the Big Ten, and um, and obviously like that's my focus, mm-hmm. is that what you have to say to yourself is like, look, these are gonna go to twenty team quote conferences unquote, mm-hmm. and if you just take the old ACC right, but not the parts that you don't want. Just the the Carolinas, Duke, Virginia, you have Maryland, you have Rutgers, which whatever, but you go out, you go out and you get, you know, those, those basketball schools. And then on the West side, you go and get Kansas. Mm-hmm. Then you're saying to yourself, okay, like we are going to be elite at football, you know, with Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, you know, Nebraska, Notre Dame, whatever. Because mm-hmm. in this scenario, Notre Dame is coming. But <clears throat> then in basketball, you know, this year with Alabama notwithstanding, and also this year with Kentucky notwithstanding, um, you know, you have, you have what, four of the six Blue Bloods mm-hmm. in yeah. Carolina, Duke, um, Kansas, I guess three. And- I mean, you're forgetting Auburn, clearly. They're, they're a Blue Blood, apparently. To, right. To Aub- Auburn Twitter thinks Auburn's a Blue Blood, but. In what? Literally, what sport? Basketball, man. They're they're basketball school now. Apparently, have they ever made a Final Four? Twenty eighteen. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the roughest months of my life. I'm not even gonna lie. Being an being an Alabama guy and like that, that was rough. I went through a lot. And and again, I've I've made my 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 personal affection for Bruce Pearl uh well known uh for very, very demographic reasons. Uh it is totally identity politics. It was like when when uh I don't know if you watch the Boondocks. Um it's a great show and there's a character uh named Riley and it was like, Oh, why do you support Obama? Well, I like his policies, blah blah blah. And then it was like went to Riley, why do you support Obama? Because he's black. Okay, great. You know, it's funny. I, I like, like, honestly, like, even as a Bama guy, you know, I like Bruce. I think he's a good guy. Like, he, you know, he's he's a little bit weird. He's out there. But I, you know, I don't dislike him like some people do up here. But yeah, he's he's a character. He, he's he's good for the SEC. He's good. For he's, the SEC. He's, that, that's another thing is that, like, you don't want your your rivals to have boring coaches. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like Michigan State fan here. Right. Jim Harbaugh is not boring. Mm-hmm. He's not a boring coach. Jo- do you know who was boring? John Beeline. He was just a yeah. boring, good coach. And it like, like you couldn't like get super fired up because you're like, ah, all right. He's like, all right, all right fine. Juwan Howard punching dudes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Th- I, I would have paid to see like a full, like full cast reaction of like the touchdown, touchdown, touchdown and um, touchlines podcast of like a breaking down John boy style, like how that went down. Cause that like, he didn't punch him this idea. year. He didn't no. punch him this year. No, but he did have a, uh, his son wear a shirt that said hashtag free Jawan during warmups. You, you know, that's maybe not the best idea. Just don't do it. You know, we're, I, I've done a little PR just just announce, <laughs> and I don't think that's a great idea, to be quite frank. I mean, but if, if, if we had a discussion about the manner in which Michigan goes about PR, well, 
we'd have to have a different con- discussion. But if you would like <laughs> to know uh, who who does the best version of public relations for the Champions League, you should check out Paramount Plus. Hey, everybody. Uh, is this a recorded ad read? It is. You have... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> do it again no just keep going just keep going uefa champions league soccer is streaming on paramount plus nine months of heart-stopping hold your breath exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars top teams you'll note not arsenal and craziest fan bases across europe watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title, no. Against Liverpool, no. Man City, yeah, probably. Chelsea, no. PSG, come on. Barcelona, now you guys are clearly just messing with us. And more, Bayern, in soccer's biggest (laughs) club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time, and extra time. And stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, We'll also note that you can watch Europa League and Conference League on on Paramount+, Plus, but (laughs) they're not going to advertise for that. Golazzo. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So that was a, a nice digression away from the U-17s. Um, but that brings us to uh, the midfield. Um, and I want to talk about uh, the player I believe. I, we should do this by sixes, but I'm not going to because um, I really want to talk about, like, the headliner here. Like, it's very rare that U-17s enter your sort of mental space um, other than these tournaments. Like, you're, you're just not going to know a lot of, about academy kids. Mm-hmm. We know a lot about uh, Adrian Gill and he's like, maybe, maybe the truth. Like he's like, it's hard to look at any of these guys and say, Oh, 2026. But Adrian Gill is sort of like maybe 2026. It depends. I mean, if he breaks in as a midfielder, I, I don't see it. I really? don't see it, but yeah, I don't see it in terms of him breaking it for 2026. Now down the line, we'll see, but. The thing is, he's been playing a lot of right back for the national team or the youth national team, and I think that's a nice little niche because he has a nice. He can cross pretty well. He's a he's a good crosser. He can play defense fine. He's you know fine enough. We'll see him a little bit more when we test against better teams such as Mexico and other teams as such. But the he, he's you know coming from that Barcelona, the lab. I think it's called the La Mesia, something like that. La Masia. La Masia. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely getting tested against the best kids in the world. So. He's definitely one just to keep an eye on for that, you know, but he's, he's got to start figuring out, okay, what's my next move professionally. I believe he's 16 years old, turns 18 and, you know, say 2025, 2025, you know, you want to probably either, you know, get a transfer or start breaking into Barca B or something like that. At that, at that point, I think he's already started to make bench appearances for the um, Barca B. That's great. But when he turns 18, I think 
he's got to be like, okay, I'm either going to a La Liga team or I'm going somewhere. I'm, you know, I'm just going to go somewhere else to get some real grown men playing time. But yeah, he's someone I'm, he's not my favorite midfielder of this group, but yeah, he's, he's, he's up there. So who is your favorite? I'm going to be honest, Pedro Soma. This kid just reminds me, you know, I've already gave the Tyler Adams comparison. He reminds me a lot of, and I, I say this with play style, not necessarily like, like Ability. talent. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Iniesta. Wow. Yeah. Just his place. He's good on the ball. He's, he can pass. He's defensively, he can sweep around. I think I'm not saying I don't have, a, I've already done a 2026 roster prediction. I did this back in December, but I don't, I didn't have him on that roster, but when I redo it in a year, I think he'll probably be my backup six. So I, that's, I, I, that's something that scuffed has sort of alluded to. I think bells talks a lot about how he has like all of the Pedro Soma stock. Mm-hmm. Um and needs him to be successful. Um, so I think the thing with Soma and the thing with our sixes in general is that I think that I have been burned like intellectually by the six who can actually do shit with the ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like, our sixes should be boring safeties, right? Deep, make sure that nothing bad happens, be fast as shit. And if you can get the ball to someone who can do something with it, great. Because yeah. like the whole Jackson Ewell will trap experiments, um, you know, not my thing. Not 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 something that I'm super into. Um, I think that's what made – I think – and speaking strictly from, you know, just play style, that's why I think Count Acosta was such a nice little backup six to have, even though Greg didn't really like to play him at six. He also viewed him as an eight, which I disagree with, but Greg's not with the national team anymore probably, so – L, but uh, uh, definitely, definitely, <laughs> possibly. Sorcerer, I, I, I feel good about that one. Yeah, it's like it's like there. It's very few times in my in my day um, where where I'm like I'm positive that something's gonna happen. I feel real good about Greg Berhalter having coached his last game with the national team. Okay, well, we're gonna have Anthony Hudson for the next ten years, so enjoy oh, that. Obviously, but, <laughs> but no, so, so much. I, I, mean, I don't know. Anthony Hudson qualified much earlier for the world cup than Greg Berhalter did. People are saying, you know, that people are saying, you know, it's a Greg, like 20 games to qualify. It took Anthony Hudson zero. And zero. I, I think we should commend him on that. I think we should give him a lifetime contract. You know, who says no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hear anyone, honestly, <laughs> but yeah, Soma, I, I think Soma's going to be good, but you know, it once again, but I will say someone who did make my 2026 roster when I did it back in 27, did it back in December was Chris Medina. I think Cruz Medina is the closest thing we have to a Pulisic. I'm not saying he's going to get to there, but like just you watch him and you're like, holy crap, this kid, he's he's not undersized, kind of how um, Pulisic was at that age. He's kind of probably about the, yeah. still is. He, he looks a little taller, to, to be honest, if, than um, Pulisic. Does he need to fill out a little bit? Yeah, but you know, he's 16. He has time to do that. Cruz Medina, if Cruz, I will put a prediction Cruz Medina by. I'm going to say March is a full-time starter for San Jose, along with Nico Sekiris. I think they're both full-time starters. He is that good. He, he, he's the kid who has – you can tell he's playing at a, just a different level, very smart kid. Um, you, just, you can tell he sees the game well. Wicked right foot. I, he had a goal, he had a goal against um, in the first game, which I wasn't able to watch because I was on my way back from covering Alabama-Auburn. And he, he absolutely had a worldy of a goal that was like 35, 40 feet out. And, you know, it just, he's a kid, he's a baller. Okay. So this is the part where I reignite my um, thing with this is that 
Funky Cruise Medina. Funky and, Cruise Medina. I'm here for it. Like, like if if it, it was made more popular by Brooklyn Nine Nine recently um, because it came up in an episode. But again, please, dear listener, look up Funky Cold Medina and then understand why we will be calling this kid Funky Cruise Medina for the next twenty years. Um, yeah, Funky Cruise Medina. Um, so I think Cruise Medina uh, actually is was was the player who I was most interested in coming in um gill i think still is like anytime you have a kid at barcelona who's not like languishing we're gonna overrate him um if you're wondering how that works uh look into conrad de la fuente see what he's trigger trigger warning conrad de la fuente (laughs) that oh gosh yeah not great um but the point is is that like part of that is i think is like a and honestly like a uh insecurity in our uh, like our assessment of our own development programs and our ability to develop people, which is going to be undermined when we get to the strikers, but whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like I'm, I'm just previewing you for dear listener. Like I'm about to talk about how like our academies and our development programs are great. And, and maybe we should trust them a little more in like five minutes. I'm going to talk about how that's not true and we should only recruit from England, but again, we'll get there. Um, but I think like what it is, is it's like for so much of this, right? Like we don't have the ability to scout. And so if you think about probably early in the 24 seven era, right. With college football recruiting, a lot of it was like, I, he's quarterback at matter day. He's probably good. Right. Or it's like, oh, he goes to, um, you know, I'm trying to think like IMG, like, mm-hmm. okay, great, fine, cool. It's probably fine. Um, in Michigan, it's like, oh, he's a linebacker, brother Rice. He, he can probably play at this level. And I think that that's what we do with academy kids all the time, because it's hard to look at them and say, like, I don't know. Is he good? I I, I guess so, mm-hmm. sort of. But I think, like, as we sort of progress as a country, as a, as a system, um, I sort of believe that the way that we've gone about um, MLS Next Pro whatever is super shitty and dumb. Because all you're doing is you're just making them youth teams that play against other youth teams. And that doesn't make anybody better. Like, I I really like the idea of these kids, like the high level kids going on loan to the champion USL championship, because that sucks. It sucks. It is not fun. And that's good for them, right? Like, it's like, yeah, it's not going to be fun. You're going to have to figure out how to scratch. Because if you think about it, like um, Josh Sargent is a bad example because he went over super early. But like there was a long period of time for him where he had to figure out how to like bang in games. And now he's gotten there and he's like a very solid championship, uh, you know, England championship, FA championship um, mm-hmm. forward. But it took him a while. And like we need to have that those types of experiences. Um, and, and MLS Next Pro doesn't do that. Uh, and it's yeah. because MLS is uh, greedy and lazy and stupid. Um Allegedly, don't sue me. But um, so, are there any other midfielders who you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, there's another midfielder in um, Christopher Aquin- Aquinano. Uh, yeah, I think he came from the Portland system. Um, he's kind of played out as a winger because, once again, we really don't have wingers in this team. But I thought he played pretty solid. I believe he had a goal. If I'm no, he did not have a goal. But he, I think he started one of the games, got his first cap again in the second game against Trinidad. I thought he played really solid, just making some lot of, lot of dangerous runs. Um, so we kind of, I don't know what that 
Portland Timbers team looks like this year, to be quite, quite frank. I just know they have really cool jerseys that look like plaid or look like yeah, a little flannel. Super neat. But super neat. I mean, if their jerseys look anything like the way they play, that might, might be a tough way to tough place to get break in. And that hopefully he can go get like a USL loan. And that's what you see a lot of these guys are doing. A lot of these guys are getting loaned out to USL teams and playing there. Hopefully when we get to the forwards, there's a one player who I really want to see in the USL next year, but yeah, so that's kind of my midfield wrap, but yeah, this, Oh, also the Taha Hamrin. I, I don't know how to say his last name. The kid from Columbus. He's a stud. He's going to be really, really good. I think. Uh, Taha Hamrin. Okay. Hamrin. Yeah. Taha. Uh, I love that first name. That's Taha. awesome. That's a great name. Um, yeah. Notably, uh, dear listener, I, I went to look up, um, something about these players uh two things of note one cruz medina is basically the only kid born after august uh on this team um he, him and Stuart hawkins were both born in september and duran duran um goalies are weird though i don't include goalies in anything that i do um but that's how good cruz medina is is that he's like half a year younger than folks and he's just like balling uh also notable wikipedia doesn't know pedro soma's birthday I mean, was he born? Were we sure he was born? We, do, we we cannot be positive. We do not have a day. We do not have a site. From my understanding, Pedro Soma may have been spawned from the head of Zeus. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Asa, that sounds like uh, accepting of pagan mythology, and you're very famously a religious Jew. And to that I say, I don't think that anybody ever came from the head of Zeus, and I don't think Pedro Soma did, but you can't tell me that he didn't. Right? Like through through God, all things are possible, including Pedro Sarma being born fully formed uh, out of the head of a statue. I mean, he is, I mean, there is some legitimacy to that. I mean, he is kind of a big, you know, he's bigger than most kids out there. He's, he has a nice, he has an, you know, he has a nice frame on him. So, like, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go ahead and start the rumor. He came from Zeus. He came from Zeus. Yeah, well, from Zeus. I, I actually, hold on. Now, now I need to go through this <laughs> because it's like he's from Spain. So, like, I don't know. Um, it's like their, their form of it. So like Druids and such, um, hmm. not sure, not sure. Um, we'll, we'll look into this further, but, um, certainly it, it, it would be more of the, the Latin, right. than the, yeah, than the sure. Greek, right. So it wouldn't be Zeus. It would be, uh, I don't know. What, what, what are the Romans called Zeus? Jupiter probably. Yeah. S- something like that. Yeah. Again, these are two different versions. As an Italian American, I should probably know this, but I don't, but yeah. yeah. My, my my view of this is that um, both of these uh, groups, Zeus and Jupiter, tried to put um, statues of those people in a temple of my people. It's happened. Anyways, <clears throat> so that brings us to the forwards. And um, the headliner here is a guy from Liverpool. Um, and Carol Figueroa. Is I, you know, big club? they're like mid table in the premier league. That's true. They are that is true. That, yeah, they're is literally mid table premier league. I mean, um, but, but anyways, obviously like, so, uh, hero Figueroa, um, is good at soccer. Um, and is like one of those things where it's like, I, is, is he the guy who you were saying? Yeah. He, he's a very impressive player. Very, very impressive. I mean, yeah. Anytime, anytime I see, I, so he's, he's obviously like a bigger bodied striker. So anytime I see big, bigger body striker, I get really nervous and think, oh my gosh, Jesse Zardes. Oh my gosh. No, please God. No, please, please. But with him, I, I think he's actually, he actually can play with his feet. He looks really good. Um, he just went, 
whenever he went out there, so he replaced Soto yesterday, it seemed like our offense just like gained another level. It was if we like, became, it's like, you know, when like, I'm just going to use an LBM basketball example. LBM basketball is a good basketball team, even without Brandon Miller. But when you add Brandon Miller, it's, it's insane. It's, it's even more fun to watch. And you, you have to account for someone who's more dangerous than everyone else in that court. Key, key roles like that. That's who he, not, obviously he's not Brandon Miller, but that's what it kind of reminds me of in the sense that he, whenever he's on the floor or whenever he's on the, um, the pitch, he's the most dangerous player, even if he doesn't have the ball on his feet, because he was just making so many smart runs. He had a few runs that, you know, if maybe a few players were looking up, they'd probably hit him and we, America wins more than one to zero over Canada. But overall, I thought he's played really well at this group stage. He should be our starting striker throughout the rest of the way. Uh, Soto's not bad, but we'll get, what, what are your thoughts on Soto? I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what you saw from Soto. So who's, who's not related to Sebastian Soto, by the way, which it took me like, I didn't know that. Bullshit. Um, I, I like <laughs> Um, my my thing is anytime there's a youth a youth setup and somebody has the same last name as somebody else, it's like oh that's their little brother. Um, I, I I don't care if it's not true. Like, David Vasquez is Brandon Vasquez's little brother. Obviously, by that stretch. Um, no, no, that is actually what I thought. Like I and like the thing is is that it's like I understand that this is not high school. Like I understand that, but also like I don't know why not. Like it's uh, I, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I think that's the only two. But like. Yeah, if Ezekiel Soto becomes some Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm going to say like he's living in his brother's foot, like his brother's shadow, and that's why he's this good. He's just trying to catch up with Sebastian. Absolutely. Um, So my view of strikers, and especially strikers in youth setups, is that you need to be much better than everybody else because in America, and this is like a, a, a an exclusively American thing, is that we put our best players up top. That's what we always have done. And so if you're a striker in a youth setup in America, you need to wow me. And Soto hasn't wowed me. He hasn't, it, it's, it's not like he, 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 he looks good to me. He looks like he is playing within the system properly. Doesn't seem like he's like out of position. Doesn't seem like he's playing wildly, um, but he doesn't add anything to me. It's like, to, to me, he's, he's not doing anything to make the team worse or better than any other player of his caliber would be doing. Whereas, like you said, when you when you see Figueroa come in, it's like, oh shit, this yeah. is this is something. And like the the way that I I assess players in any sport is, do I need to game plan for them? If I'm on if I'm on the other team, what do I need to do to stop them or game plan for them? And for Soto, I don't think you need to change anything. I think you say like, we play our defense. If he beats us, he beats us. Whereas yeah. with Figueroa, it's like. Nope, we need to take him out of the game because otherwise it, we're going to get five dropped on our head, Barbados. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, we haven't even talked about this yet, but as a point I really wanted to bring up, does Barbados have the best Concacaf flag? Ooh, I think they do. Maybe. I mean, the trident with the, and I know you're a Michigan State guy, so trigger warning to the colors, but the blue sure. and yellow is is just a clean look with the black trident. Like, I, I think that they have a strong case to being the best Concacaf flag. So here is, here's what I'm going to say. Two things. One, um, I really, really love Jamaica's flag. That is a good flag. I think, I think that it is a really good flag. Um, as I'm going through the teams here, um, Guadalupe uh, has like a sun with three like fleur-de-lis on top, which is like Game of Thrones shit, which is awesome. Um Curacao oh, has like cool. 
Uh, Kurosawa, I, I like, but yeah, I mean, it, look, it's, it's very hard to, 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 to say that Barbados is not, is not the, the favorite. I think that Guadalupe has, has, has a shout, but, um, but the trident on, on, on the blue and white or the blue and yellow is, is, it's a phenomenal look. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's tough because it's like when you grow up with the American flag, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily impress you. Um, but it's like, it's, it's a, it's a great flag. It's a, it is a good you know, flag. Got a lot going on. It's got, it's got meaning behind that. But then you see someone come out with a fucking trident and you're like, ah, shit. Yeah. Like, it's like, like, could, could we have muskets in our, in our flag? Like, yeah, I think we probably could. I mean, what would we put if we redesigned the American flag today? I mean, I think we have to put a huge highway in the middle of it. Obviously we have to put a huge highway. We have to put um, some type of, you know, you know, car centric society shout to there because that's what America has. I think we have to put a young child because apparently, because a court, like not apparently, but like we're a young nation compared to others. You know, you have Spain and England that are just centuries old and we're just, you know, we're just vibing around 250. So like we might as well put like a young baby there. Um, I think the cigarette, I think the tobacco, big tobacco would pay a lot of money to put like a little like Marlboro in the right hand corner. Absolutely. Um, and then I, I feel like eventually it would just be corporations, just a bunch of M's and Texaco's <laughs> and oil. And they would get put like, you know, I don't know, just throw Joe Biden up there because it'd be funny. Why not? So, so I think, I think if I were going to design our flag, I, I've been really into um, like medieval heraldry recently okay. um, because I think it's, I think it's weird that like these like random houses had their own like fucking logos. And I think that that's really funny to me. Um, I, and so like, I think that what I would want to do is I would want to put um, like, I would, I would pick a, pick an animal, you know, it could be the Eagle. I, it make, it would make sense if it was, it was an Eagle, but you don't want to use Eagle and heraldry because of the Nazis. So it can be a Turkey. Yeah. Um, it could be a Turkey. It could be a, it could be a Buffalo. I think Buffalo as the national and animal of America makes way more sense than an Eagle. Um, because like, have we thought about the pigeon? So I think the problem with the pigeon is that um, I hate them. And after having lived in New York for six years, it, I, I don't have positive uh, identification with Pidgey uh, or the pigeon itself. But I would say, like I said, I, I, w- I would say that um, the buffalo, so the I would buffalo, have two yeah. bu- buffaloes on their hind legs looking out. Uh, and then in the middle would be a big chest of gold. And what from this we learn two things about America. One, buffalo is our national anthem or our national animal. And if you think, well, why the buffalo? I would say because they're dumb, they're strong, and there's a lot of them. And that's yeah. basically what we do. Um, and then the gold in the middle because they're protecting money. Um, not to get into capitalist discourse, but you know, I just I, I still think you have to put like a huge like eight change highway in the middle of it just to like show that like, oh yeah we we also just it'll sold it'll our be surrounded yeah no no it'll be surrounded by a circle uh, which mm-hmm. will be like a beltway. Um, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. that's the way that we can like we can we can nod at the fact that we refuse to do public transportation because of the amount of money that General Motors and Ford gives to the government. I mean, because it makes sense to have highways throughout our country and not have public transportation. Yes, who needs cities when you can have suburbs? Who needs cities? I don't, see, the thing is, is that you and <laughs> you and I are different stages of life, um, and so like for you, it's like you're you're still at the point in your life where you're like, yeah, I want to live in a city. I want yeah, like, New York's walkable. my dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have kids. I have a job. 
I desperately want to live in the suburbs. And it's not because the suburbs are, you know, are what they are. The reason why I want to live in the suburbs is very simple. I really like backyards. I really like yards. And so like, I, 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 I can't afford a yard in New York or LA or Atlanta or literally any city. Um, I, you know what? I say that and I could probably afford a yard in like Toledo, Ohio, but then I would have to live in Ohio. Yeah. That, that doesn't seem like the smart call, especially right now. Yeah. No. Oh, right. They're having a bad week. Um, yeah. They're not having a great week at all. They're having a bad week. Um, has, has that like been like talked about on the media a lot? I don't oh, think no. so. No, it hasn't. I mm. wonder why. Anyways, um, <laughs> this is, this is like very, like very quickly, like turning into like a Marxist podcast. And I don't know why. <laughs> Like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a fairly capitalist person. I don't know why we're getting into Marxist discord. Roll tide. Um, roll tide. Roll tide um, to that. <laughs> um, so we have a, we have a, a knockout round coming up. Um, and we, so, so we, we got a fine road, I guess. But the problem is, is that if we win a uh, game one, we play a true road game against Guatemala in the second round. Um, which sort of sucks to me as far as I'm concerned. Um, what, what do you think about our draw into the knockout round? As I pull it up right now, you know, I, I think that's a little overrated in terms of like, you know, the bad draw and all that. Um, so I do have, so I've been to Guatemala twice. So I've always had Guatemala as my like, second CONCACAF team. I love that country. So like, you know, I'm a little biased towards them, but they're not very good. I, I don't even think they were, very, I don't think they were very good in their group stages or anything. Yeah, we would have to play Guatemala. We saw the U20 team, who I think is nowhere near as talented. And not this isn't a disstar U20 team, so it was a very talented team. But they were nowhere near as talented as um, this U17 team, in my opinion. And they went in, they went into Honduras against Honduras, and they, they won. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's unprecedented that we haven't gone in a nation like that and won. You know, but it's, it's not an easy task, you know, especially when I believe that they'd be playing in um, – Antigua, which is about a 25,000 seat stadium. If that thing gets full, which it probably will be, that's an intimidating environment. You know, they're getting a true CONCACAF experience. Now, I don't think they'll get bottles thrown at them like Gio Reyna did back in 2021, but, you know, it's still going to be a crazy environment. And, you know, that's going to tell us a lot about this team. But, you know, I, I still feel good. We're, we're head and shoulders more talented than any group in CONCACAF, even including Mexico, even though Mexico has one of my favorite U.S. players in the roster. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Mexico. Um, but so I, I think that that's a good point, which is like the road that you have to go through to win this thing is very simple if you're America. It's you have to beat the Dominican Republic. You have to beat Guatemala on the road. And then you probably have to beat Canada again. Um, if you look at this, I, I, I think it's it's really likely that we'll get Canada again. Um, you know, you could get Jamaica, you could get Costa Rica. But the point is, is that the the... You've got one game that you should win. You've got one game that you or, or one game that you must win. If you lose the Dominican Republic, it's a problem. One game you should win, which is a road game against Guatemala. And then you have a tough game against either Canada or Costa Rica in order for the the honor of playing Mexico. I say Mexico because usually it's going to be Mexico. Um they have a habit recently of not doing that, which is funny. But um you know, it is what it is. So I think, look, it, it's, it's very simple. Like from here on in, if you are good enough, you'll get through. And if not, you won't, um, yeah. but there's no, there's no like uh gimmies here. Um, and I think, I think that this team should, 
I mean, you look at it and you look at it not only from like a talent perspective, because if you, if you talk about the U-20s as well, um, you know, you, there was talent there, it, you know, you could see it, blah, 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 but they played well together. And I think that this team plays well together. Um, I agree. Which, which is, which is a testament to, you know, Cigars as, as the coach, but also to the players sort of subsuming themselves as they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really what we, what we have to, to go on. So, um, I'm gonna, we, we have like a, a couple of minutes left here. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you do your, your thing here for a second. Um, who's going to be the starting quarterback at Alabama next year? You know, that's hard. You know, it seems like a lot of people are already counting out JL Milrow. And to those people, I just, you know, I just want to be a contrarian. I'm going to say Milrow. I think oh, Milrow really? brings, I think, Mil- and this is no disrespect to Ty Simpson. I think Ty Simpson is probably more talented to be quite frank, but you never know what, you know, and he's a smart kid. I'm not, diminishing his studiousness i guess but like you just never know like sometimes the talent most talented player isn't always going to be the guy if that makes sense just because they don't understand the offense or they just don't play the right way and milro you know he struggled at times he had quite frankly just not a great second half against um texas a&m in that the most the obviously the biggest game in the entire year for both teams but it was you know i i think he has so many physical tools that it would be a. Sh- I would be disappointed to see him not start. I, I really just want to see a Jail Milrow season where he goes off. He's like a quarterback who play who looks like Derrick Henry. Like that's the coolest thing ever. All I'm going to say about Milrow is that um, I think you look at him and you think about what Saban actually wants out of his quarterback and what he wants his offense actually to look like. And I I think Milrow is the guy who he wants because people people forget this about Saban because he did bench hurts in that game and 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 let him leave um Jalen Hurts is the like people think that like you know AJ McCarron is the prototypical saving quarterback no it's Jalen Hurts don't make mistakes don't turn the ball over be able to get a a QB sneak add one in the run game that's what Saban wants out of his quarterback yeah and I I think you know there's a funny story about that 2017 team Brian Dayball was the offensive coordinator at the time apparently there was like moments where like Saban and Dayball weren't speaking to each other because Dayball wanted to start Tua over Jalen. And that was like, that was like after spring, that wasn't like week four, week five. It was like before the season he knew. And like, that's not a knock on Jalen, but Jalen, Jalen really, I mean, Jalen didn't have a great sophomore season to be quite frank, but he did so many things right that Saban loved. And you know, Saban's a very loyal guy. Um, I think that gets lost in this whole discussion with Hertz. Like he told Hertz to go to Oklahoma because that's for the best because Lincoln Riley's a quarterback whisperer and he'll get him figured out. And look, I mean, thanks he to right. Garrett Riley, thank, or thanks to not Garrett Riley, thanks to Lincoln Riley, thanks to you know that whole system. Like Jalen Hurts, an incredible quarterback, and yeah, I mean, everyone in this, I know everyone in this state loves him. Even Auburn people tend to like the guy just because he just. I don't know many. Guy. I don't know many people who dislike Jalen Hurts. I think yeah. like the whole thing with him is that it's like. Everybody who likes sports for and like for, for the reasons that you can think of that you would like sports, Jalen Hurts has something for you. If it's like, yeah. I like it because it's like a team game. Well, I find a better team player than Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. No, I like it because underdog stories. It, it, his team, every team he's ever played for has tried to replace him and or undermine him. And he like just keeps working and keeps winning. And then, you know, if you're like, I like sports because of ridiculous athletic achievement and you're like, well. Also that he has that too. Yeah. And people except forget, for the arm. Yeah. He, yeah. That last, that last was Hail bad. Mary, that was rough. I, I, I think bad. I probably could have nearly hit that. That was rough, but you know what? That's on, that's much more on Sirianni. 
on Sirianni because you know what your quarterback can do. If he, if he does not have the arm, then about four minutes before that happens, you have your backup. Who's their backup there? Guess who their backup is. Oh, it's Flacco. No, um, it's not. No, no, no. It's Gardner Minshew. It's even oh, better. Oh, even better. Uh, he and, also does not have an arm. Um, I think Trace know. McSwirly. I think Trace McSwirly is also like, no, Ian Book is their third string, which just wraps this beautif- beautifully from where we started with Tommy Reese. Okay. Okay. The point is, um, if you're Philadelphia next year, maybe just find a guy with a cannon. I don't think Connor Cook is doing anything right now, and he can just sort of be your third quarterback. And it's like for Hail Marys, we have this guy. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure you can do that. No disrespect anyway, to Connor Cook, but Alabama broke him. Alabama broke yeah. that poor man. Here's the thing that you don't know because you didn't. You didn't watch a ton of Michigan State. Um, Maryland broke him. Really? In that game, he got blindside hit, slammed into the ground with his shoulder. Didn't play against Penn State. We won that game. Um, played in the. Big Ten championship game, and we scored 13 points on Iowa. He he was like 10 for 24. But we but he kept saying, I'm gonna be healthy for the for the uh it wasn't Penn State, it was Ohio State. Um, I'm gonna be healthy for the Big Ten Championship game, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. And then it was I'll be healthy for the uh for the playoff game, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. And the defense believed him for a half. Remember, because if if you'll recall, it was close to nothing. Michigan state was on the 10 yard line and he throws that interception just before the half. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you talk about what ifs for the Michigan state, like sort of program, what if Connor cook was healthy? Do I think that Michigan state beats Alabama? No. Do I think that it's closer and Michigan state could like Mark D'Antonio wizard bullshit their way to something in that game? Maybe. I don't know. That's fair. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with you there. Like that's, that's the whole thing with Connor cook. Um, and one, but once all that happened, it was like, nope, 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 nope. Mm. But, uh, if you would like to, uh, find my, my good friend and youth correspondent on the internet, uh, Garrett, where can, where, where can they find you? You can follow me at Garrett underscore Franks on Twitter, G A R E T T underscore Franks. Um, that's yeah. two R's, two R's, two, two T's, two R's, two T's. Come on, people. Come on. Spell your, spell your Garrett's right. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um also on the uh on the air at uh alabama student radio um yes. and uh in the near future uh somewhere else we don't yeah know. graduating this may so if y'all know anyone hiring yeah um all ears all ears hopefully we keep don't. talking we don't pay in in the touchline and touchdown i meant more so to your listeners maybe you know you have like a high level exec you know who knows we'll we'll look into the matter <laughs> um, so, uh, if you would like to follow me, you can find me at diamonds Esquire, or I'm usually on the main account, TLS TDS, um, our Instagram with a ranking of Alabama quarterbacks by how much Saban likes or dislikes them, uh, will be up, uh, very shortly. As soon as we get that Instagram up and running, um, number one is not who you think. That's what I'm going to say. Not who you think. Um, it's Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> That's right. Nick Saban recruited Jamarcus Russell. Thing that happened. How many Um, starts for them to have to be Alabama quarterback? That's the question here. Because Philip Sims technically, or no, Blake Barnett got an Alabama start. So does Blake Barnett and Cooper Bateman on that list? Cooper Bateman is number one on that list. (laughs) He's a firefighter now. You know that? That is the most Cooper Bateman thing you could have told me. Um, Thank you to our sponsors, Smith Workforce Management Group, whoever Blue Air decides to put in um, Paramount Plus. And again, Swoveralls, get at us. 
Um, please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your local youth correspondents. And obviously, dear listener, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Podcast Network.